This should be played at high volume. Vickers blocking his teammate. White flag this time. One to go. He's got to block two teammates to win it, though. One and one. He flies way up high and takes the white flag. Welcome to this edition of The Pit Stop. I'm Randy Pettit, your host, that voice that you've heard all across the Carolinas, Virginia, South Carolina, up and down the East Coast, 114 different racetracks. I've had the pleasure of getting behind the microphone, and I'm delighted to be your host of this edition of The Pit Stop radio program. And thanks to our friends over at WTOB in Winston-Salem and WWBG in Greensboro that carry our program on the radio locally and you can listen to it anywhere on the internet by finding the podcast. Thanks to our producer, Desmond Johnson. And folks, it's been hot outside. Yes, very, very hot over the last few days here in the Triad area. And tonight we're going to have a couple of hot rising stars of late model stock car racing in our area on the program. And we're going to kick things off tonight talking about our last event down at Caraway Speedway, which is my new home track, uh, more or less near Asheboro. The town's called Sophia. Uh, right in the corner of Randolph County. And we had a big show down there, the Ready Mart uh, Summer Clash. And, man, it was a clash. It wore me and Alan Todd, my sidekick, uh, my uh, colleague in the announcing booth, out. We had 12 races to do. Five local divisions had twin races, and then we had Legends and Bandolera racing. 12 races and all. The fans certainly got their money worth. And I'm going to give you a quick rundown on what happened, and we're going to bring on our first guest tonight on the pit stop. Well, on the 22nd down at Caraway, Jason York, the Reedsville Rocket. And he was tagged at by uh, the Hackett's and Alan Todd many, many years ago, and it stuck the two-time Caraway Speedway champion back in 2000, 2001. He was the fastest qualifier, and Jason led all 35 laps in the first of two 35-lap late model races down at Caraway Speedway. The inversion, uh, Jason uh, rolled some dice out of a cup and drew uh, number eight, if you will, and uh, that set up an inverted field for race number two. And Chase Murphy, I believe he led all 35 laps. Chase Murphy got his first win of the season. I believe it may be the first of his career, but certainly the first of the season for Chase Murphy. And we're going to have Chase on in the second half of tonight's edition of the Pit Stop. So Chase Murphy got a win in race number two. Um, we had a couple of new podium finishers this year. Dean Ward on the podium, first time in a good while. And Annabeth Crum, uh, who raced regularly for a good while at Hickory Motor Speedway, both had third-place finishes. And our guest tonight in segment one finished second in not one but both races. And we're going to bring him on in just a moment. Also want to congratulate Jackson Casper, that third-generation driver, won both 20-lap races for the 602 Modifying Division. Uh, our friend Brody, Brody Duggins, a teenager out of King, North Carolina, he inherited a victory in the first 20-lap challenger race when Alan Vance's challenger division car was disqualified due to infraction of some kind of a shock and weight rule. And I also want to give a big shout-out to Mount Airy's Blake Shoup, my old Bowman Gray buddy finally broke the ice uh, down at Caraway Speedway, winning the second 20-lap Charger Division race. And our friend Stephen Collins, who uh, carries on the, the tribute to Dale Earnhardt Sr., drives that black number three in the UCAR Division. 
Uh, he won the first race, and Justin Smith won that second race in UCAR division. And Clemens's John Morton of Morton Directional Drilling, John won twice in the bootlegger division. And I want to give a shout-out to an 11-year-old driver who did an amazing job at Caraway on Saturday night. His name is Bentley Black, and he lives uh, between Lexington and Ashburn down that way. And Bentley led qualifying for the bootlegger division, and he finished second in both races. An outstanding job by that young man, Bentley Black, from a great, great race racing family, uh, uh, a son of Ashley and um, uh, the Black the Black family, Black Tire and Wheel, Tony Black. There we go. And I want to congratulate uh, young Bentley Black on a fantastic night. Josh Lowe, another local boy, won the uh, Legends Car Race. And Flying Ryland Louder, a son of 602 modified driver Josh Louder, was the Bandolero winner. We had a really scary crash in the Legends Car Race. Neil Doolin of Concord had a really bad flip. He sailed into the catch fence on the front stretch, and that fence did his, his job. No serious injury to that young man, Neil Doolin of Concord. That is the good news. Well, enough about the rundown of what happened down at Caraway. Let's bring on our first sets of guests tonight. I have not only the young man who finished second in both the late model stock car races, I've got his proud dad with us tonight, and we'll talk about both of their careers in the sport. I'm going to start out with Cam Thomas. Uh, Cam, a former uh, standout in go-kart racing in the area, and Cam uh, is the young man who drove that Thomas Brothers country ham machine Double zero car, uh, back to prominence down at Caraway Speedway, finished second in both the late mile stock car races. Cam, man, I know you got to be still pretty excited from Saturday night. Congratulations. The best night of the year so far of your late model career. Yeah, that was a good night. We finished second, and I didn't know if, if it'd get and go in the second race, and it got up and go after about five or ten laps, and I was glad to get a second place finish in the second one also. It, well, I remember the night when you got your first uh, finish up there, and that was when we honored Sam Ard on Sam Ard Tribute Night. We had a lot of special guests there from Thomas Brothers Country Ham and the Sam Ard family and the former crew members. And I know that was a really special night too, but maybe Saturday night might even top that because you finished second twice. Yeah, I think it topped it a little bit. I was just glad I could get up there in top three and have that car up there on the track for them, that top three finish for Sam Ard. Because I know I had a lot of pressure on me of running good that night. Well, and you've handled it very, very well. Now, folks, Cam, uh, for those of you not following his career, he was a standout uh, winner and champion in go-kart racing. I'm just going to run down just a quick list of some of his highlights. Uh, Camden Thomas was the track champion in various iterations over Liberty, Coal Ridge, and Woodleaf. These are all go-kart tracks in our region, and he was a multiple Junior 2 Tri-State champion. He won the North Carolina Dirt Series Junior 3 championship. He won multiple Junior 3 Tri-State championships. He was a 2018 Junior 3 National Champion and the 2019 Ultimate Kart Series Champion. Cam, you've had a heck of a career in those go-karts, man, and uh, I, I remember when I first met your dad over the winter, had met, met him face-to-face, -face, and he was kind of figuring out what was next for you, and uh, talk about your go-kart racing a little bit. How old were you when you got started, and evidently, you were pretty good at it because you started winning right away. I think I was around 10 years old, 9 or 10. I started racing. I started racing at Coleridge or Liberty. I can't remember which one it was first. And I won a championship my first year at Liberty and then also won one at Coleridge that year. And then from on there, I won a 
many of many races and a lot of prestigious races and championships that you can win at go-kart racing. And the national would probably, that was on the top of my list to win. I told myself for five years, I'm going to win it one year and I finally won it. I, I think a lot of the fans of go-kart racing would know, but maybe some of the more casual fans don't realize how hard it is to win a national championship in any sport, but in go-kart racing, especially because there's so many go-kart tracks scattered across North Carolina, Virginia, and the region and across the country. Do you remember kind of how many people you had to beat in your class to win that national title? It well, that, that race is, it's a hard race to win. It's once a year, and you have one race, and the hard part about it is you have to get an invitation to it. So not just anybody can go to it. You got to be one of the top ten best in a class of a tri-state series or some big pro series to be able to make your way to it. So just going there and being able to race it and then finally winning one, I think it took four years or so to win one. And... I beat my best friend, Michael Bumgarner, for it. Y'all probably know who he is. He runs at Hickory a lot. And uh, he right. ended up winning the second one on the second day. Well, that's pretty cool, man. Um, now, what brought on this jump, this leap? It's it, I think it's quite a leap to go from go-kart racing all the way to late model stock. If you're going to dive in the pool, go ahead and jump in the deep end, right? Tell me a little bit about that conversation that you and your dad had uh, maybe over the winter or maybe last fall when you were kicking the tires on the idea of going late model racing. We had the idea about two or three years ago. We had a car, but we never got into it because COVID and everything came around. But the thing about racing go-karts is you got to have 50 sets of tires when you go to the racetrack. And it just, it's a lot, it costs a lot to do it now than what it used to. And now you can get a race car and if you don't tear it up, it's cheaper to race a race car than it is a go-kart. Why, why you, do you need so many tires? Educate <laughs> me on that. That seems like an excessive amount of tires. You, you might have a track, it's, it's real hard and dry and dusty. You might have one that's real soft. You might have one that's a bigger track that takes newer tires. You might have a, uh, a older track with older dirt on it, and it you just you gotta have about you get suns out. Sun out. It goes nighttime. The dew wow. fog. You gotta sand tires, cut them. You have like twenty different preps for different tracks. I mean, it's just it's a lot to keep up with. And I was just glad I had someone that was actually good at doing tires my dad doing them versus there's so many. There's <laughs> yeah, so we're, we're going to bring old dad here in a little bit. And I'm sure he knows a lot about those tires. We'll get into that in a moment. Cam, um, so you guys had the conversation. And from what I remember, uh, Donnie Apple, who was at our awards banquet, my first awards banquet down to Caraway back in the winter, uh, Donnie, I was kidding around with him and his family, and he was kind of, you know, saying, I don't know if my wife's going to let me run anymore. Next thing I know, your dad's buying his car, and Cam Thomas is going late model racing, man. How'd that all come about? Well, we, we, uh, we, dad knew him for a while. I never knew who he was, but he, he just wanted to get out of it, and, uh, we went and looked at it, and, uh, we knew it was a good car because it was Dave, one of Dave Dunlop's, and Dad used to work with them. So we wanted to keep it local to have someone that's there to help us. And I think his cars are probably the best out there. They run. 
Well, um, we're going to continue with Cam Thomas, yeah. driver of the Thomas Brothers Country Ham Double Zero Car and Weight Model Stock Car Competition with us down at Caraway Speedway. And Cam had the best night of his young career so far on July 22nd when he finished second in both 35-lap late model races. I'm Randy Pettit, your host of the Pit Stop. And thank you for listening on WTOB in Winston-Salem and WWBG over in Greensboro. And if you found us on the Internet on a podcast, we greatly appreciate it. Well, Cam, we got we got about another minute left. Um, talk a little bit about that transition from hopping out of the go karts to those late models. It was a big difference for me from the first time I went and practiced the late model at Caraway. I figured out real soon that you actually had to turn a wheel in something for it to go. A go kart, you you don't turn it two inches maybe when you're racing but this race car you actually got to crank on the wheel and it's the weight difference how that thing's three thousand pounds and a go-kart's 400 pounds so. what uh, what all have you learned that got you from beginner all the way to a guy that finished second against some really good competition uh you had dean ward annabeth crumb you had chase murphy a lot of talented drivers in that field who have been in the top five at a lot of places and the Reedsville Rocket, Jason York, and many, many others. Um, we got about 30 seconds, but talk about that leap from beginner to maybe, maybe I'm starting to get the hang of it. Uh, it was, it was just, it was a big difference. Cause what I just, it was more practice people talking me through it, me watching people helped and just getting seat time in the car is what really helped of just practicing and making laps because turn one at Caraway, it's a hard corner. I got you. Well, when we come back on the second part of this half of the pit stop, we'll continue with young Camden Thomas, and we're going to bring on his father. He is one of the family members of the folks that founded Thomas Brothers Country Ham, and he, we're going to talk about the great Sam Ard, the Bush Grand National Star, and a man that was recently voted one of NASCAR's top 75 greatest drivers ever. And we're going to talk about that when we come back after this on the pit stop. And welcome back to this edition of the pit stop. I'm your host, Randy Pettit. And we greatly appreciate you tuning in tonight, whether you're listening on live local radio on WWBG in Greensboro, WTOB in Winston-Salem, or if you found us on the internet in some form, we greatly appreciate you tuning in. I'm the public address announcer down at Caraway Speedway, along with my friend Alan Todd, the longtime voice of Caraway Speedway. And we were there Saturday night to watch uh, a little history being made. Young man driving the Thomas Brothers Country Ham Double Zero late model car, finished second in both 35-lap races and the best night of his young career, Camden Thomas. And we have got proud Papa alongside him tonight. He is Ricky Thomas. He is one of the current owners of Thomas Brothers Country Ham. He is a nephew of Howard Thomas, the original founder of Thomas Brothers Country Ham. And man, Ricky's got a lot of great stories, and we're going to try to cram in as many of them as we can. Uh, Ricky spent years and years traveling the Cup Series as an over-the-wall crew member. Now, he's simply focusing on the family business and the racing career of his son. Ricky, I know you're a busy guy. Thanks so much for coming on the program tonight. And first of all, congratulations on a great Saturday night for you guys. I know you got to be really, really proud of your son, Cam Thomas. Yes, it was a it was a great night. Thank you for having us on here. 
Uh, Ricky, you and I shared uh, a lot of great stories about uh, you racing, uh, you being in the big league racing for a long time. And let's start there. How did you get involved in racing? I imagine as a little kid walking out there to the shop where they're preparing uh, Sam Ard's Bush Grand National Cars. Tell me about the first time you walked out there and saw what was going on and how long did it take for you to get hooked? Yeah, I was, I've been coming over here since I was born, I, I suppose. My dad worked over here, um, and I'd come over here every chance I'd get, and uh, every chance I got, I didn't, I went to the shop down there to see Sam and him working on the cars, and it, it was just something in my blood then, because every, every Saturday night, we was going racing, and I knew it, and that was the best part of my life growing up, I suppose. What was the what was your first job as part of the team? I know a lot of times it starts sweeping the floor yeah. and doing this what, or doing that. What, what what was the first job you remember? Well, I started out here. I mean, working here in the summertime with my uncle. Like I said, I went down there. I'd go down there and see the guys working, Sam and Jerry and all of them, Jesse and Phil, and I just that's I knew I wanted to be in racing. So um, I kept getting older and older, and then uh, started going to the racetrack with them. And uh, about the time I got old enough to go to the racetrack with them. Um, my uncle uh, Sam had gotten hurt, and uh, he'd run a few more years after that. And then, by the time I graduated high school, getting ready to go to work, uh, he sails out and gets out of it. He's done. So here I am. Okay, what am I going to do? So I started. I was started working on guys' cars at at um, Caraway that locally run over there, and I was helping work on those at night. And then um, I kept doing that, and then finally I got a job at a local race car shop that built Laymall stock cars, is red and race cars, and. Uh, one of my friends, Johnny Talley, worked up there and got me on up there. So I started working there and learned how to work on race cars for a couple of years. And then about, I don't know, a couple of years later, I was about 20, 21. Um, uh, my friend, Johnny, anyway, he went over there and I knew Steve Mill and Shane Mill and all those and started messing with some go-karts and stuff like that. But anyway, I got a job at Roush Racing over in Liberty. That's about 20 minutes from here. And um, so I worked over there and started learning you know the best i could what i could and uh from there just worked hard and tried to get on the pit crew and end up getting on the pit crew back then you could you didn't have to be a college athlete or a professional i was going to, to say the all the pit over the older over the wall guys now are like these great big stud athletes yeah. no offense like like these star football players that didn't quite make the nfl and they wound up being over the wall uh nascar cup series pit crew members so it was a little different path back in the day wasn't it ricky oh yes i'd work during the day had to work at the shop all day and then i started practicing at night by myself i'd stay late at night hitting lug nuts trying to be a tire changer learning how to be a tire changer and I uh, got to try out and ended up, uh, Steve Mill hired me to change tires, uh, one of the cars. Who was your first driver that you remember uh, where you had to, six, where you had to do a pit stop? Were you nervous? I'm sure you were. Yeah, the Daytona 500 was my first pit stop. Are you Wally, kidding me? Yeah. Wally Dahlenbeck Jr. was the driver. So, wow. So coming down Daytona was the first live pit stop I ever had. So no pressure, right? It's only no, Daytona no 500. But it it was fun. I mean, you had to work hard and to get anywhere. You had to you had to you know you had to practice at night and and try to get on the team because you know they didn't. You know, now it's totally different. Now I ended up in my end of the career in racing. I ended up when I uh, couldn't walk great, uh, being a pit crew coach. So anyway, it's um, totally different now than what it was. Now you're skipping over some fun stuff here. I had the king himself. 
on my program recently, Richard Petty and, and Richard and I were talking about all the fun things to do in the greater Randolph County area. Of course, Caraway Speedway, the number one sporting attraction. We've got all this pottery down in Seagrove. And of course, you got the Petty Museum and the Petty Garage. Well, you were part of the Petty family for a good while. Tell us a little bit about how you got hired on to work for uh, the folks at Petty Enterprises and their teams. How long were you with them? What were some of the duties that you had? Yeah, I worked at Rouse till about 98. And they were deciding right around in there, 98, 99, I can't remember the exact date. They were deciding to go to, uh, Rouse was moving to Charlotte. So I'm, I'm a hometown boy from Asheboro and I didn't want to go to Charlotte. So uh, I'd been talking and uh, Kyle Petty was coming to work at, um, drive at Petty Enterprises. And uh, and I had, uh, long story short, I used to be friends with Adam Petty, met him through the go-karts. And me and Adam right. was pretty, pretty tight. And Adam Adam come up to me at the racetrack and said, hey, you need to come work for Daddy. He's coming back to Level Cross, blah, blah, blah. So anyway, I went over there and talked to Robbie Loomis. And uh, anyway, he hired me over there and worked over there and changed tires for um, uh, Kyle and then John Andretti and different ones after that. So, uh, but yeah, shame. Adam Adam was a good guy, y'all. We don't know what we, uh, we missing a lot without him. I'm telling you, he was going to be good. Yeah. Uh, another really great one. His life cut short, but you know, he, he paved the way for a legacy and I'm not talking about the wine. I'm talking about the Petty family legacy. I think not only all the racing, but everything they've done with that victory junction gang camp, you know, that, that lit up, uh, Kyle Petty's spirit doing something to honor his son. Uh, and you know, it's, it's tough to lose a kid. I've never lost one. I hope to God I never do, but I, I can put myself in the shoes. What can I do to honor my son? And he and Richard and, and Rebecca and all that petty family, man, they do so much work for that victory junction gang camp. I've met some of these campers right after they got out of the camp. It's unbelievable what they do for these kids. And, you know, I, I think that's going to be their legacy outside of racing for years and years to come. For sure. They didn't just retire and relax. They've all, stayed in it and kept it going and kept Adam's name out there. And that's, it's been awesome. It, it has. Um, what was it like working with Kyle and Richard? You know, uh, they're, they're nine day different from what I can see, you know, the King is the King. And then Kyle, you know, was kind of a goofball growing up and he dabbled in country music and he had all these other things going on. And he finally settled down, decided he wanted to be a real race car driver. And you got to see that firsthand, didn't you? Yeah, it was, it was good. Kyle, Kyle was good. He he was until Adam got killed. He was he's a different person after that. But Kyle was he was good and fun to be around. And uh, but uh, to go through that tragedy, I hope I never have to go through either. But he 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 did a great job. I mean, he was Monday morning at the shop after Adam got killed and and just trying to hold everything together. And it was some dark times. But he did he did. People don't know what he went through to keep everything going like he did as long as he did. But it, he was good. But it it was it was tough. Folks, I'm Randy Pettit, your host of The Pit Stop. We appreciate you listening tonight. In our first half of the program, we have got a rising young late model driver, uh, Cam Thomas, who finished second in both 35-lap races down at Caraway Speedway. And we got his dad, Ricky Thomas. He is a nephew of the original founder of Thomas Brothers Country Ham, uh, Ricky Thomas. And Ricky spent many years over the wall in the Cup Series and uh, is now a proud father of a son who's going late model racing. And... Uh, Ricky, uh, how cool is it 
just to stand there and watch the Thomas Brothers Country Ham Double Zero, that white car with the red letters, go around Caraway Speedway again. That that in itself has got to feel pretty cool. Yeah, it's it's been uh, it's been real nerve wracking up until the last couple of races because uh, I knew uh, Sam set a very high mark to to try to get uh, to get the car back up front and. So I was really nervous about it because I didn't know how well Camden would adapt to the, uh, you know, the heavier car and stuff like that. And we just decided to go with the late model, you know, uh, limited late model and the tire rules and different stuff. So uh, with COVID and having enough tires, so we just got a able got got a hold of a decent car, and uh, so we just went on bit the bullet, went late model racing, and uh, he's really surprised me the last couple of races. He learned a lot, picked up his times, and. Uh, you know, getting better every lap. So that's the main thing. Yeah. You got to be pretty proud of the kids. You're very, very nice young man. Uh, I've, I've seen a little steam come out of his ears a couple of times after a couple of races. So he's got that passion for it and you can definitely see that he's got a lot of potential. Well, I want to shift gears, pardon the pun, just for a second, uh, Ricky and talk about, uh, the late great Sam Ard, you know, Sam was one of the, uh, one of the icons of the Bush grand national series in the early days, uh, a two-time series champion, and man, he was always one of the guys to beat everywhere that you guys went racing. Uh, talk a little bit about your time uh, watching Sam Ard as a young man uh, driving the family race car. What a what a great talent! Yeah, it it was awesome to just just to go to the tracks and and to be able when I was young. I mean, that's it, we'd go. Uh, especially all the local ones to, to South Boston, Orange County, or Trico, whatever you want to call it, Hickory. And, and then we'd go to Charlotte, Rockingham, and all those places too. But it was just, he knew he was going to run up front everywhere he went. And and, and he and my uncle set a high standard, you know, uh, as my uncles always say, well, you're either going to go or go. So <laughs> they, right, they exactly. always went. So. But it, it, it was good times. It was, it was really fun to get to go to the track every week. And, and watch and, and pull for your hero, you know? So he was my hero. How, how cool was it, Ricky, when, uh, NASCAR, you know, they had their 50 greatest drivers and for their 75th anniversary season, they announced 25 more and Sam Ard made that list. And how cool was it to, to see him included in that great group of drivers? And, you know, there, there's well over 100, 125, you could argue, belong in that 75. And it's got to be a great honor, not only for your family, but for Sam Ard's family to be in the top 75, but voted by NASCAR and their panel. And your thought on Sam not being in the Hall of Fame so far, and you think he'll ever get in? Yeah, he was, it was definitely, um, uh, wor he's worthy of being in the top 75. What I've seen my, uh, 50 years of watching him race uh he he could definitely get it done and and i got to see the part that nobody a lot of people didn't get to see um i know my uncle the thomas brothers they thought maybe money or something like that put him up front but i'm telling you right now they he had to build the cars down there from scratch i mean build them all tune them work on them he he did a lot of stuff himself that that people just it don't happen now with drivers, which it can't, but the way everything's went, but, but he, he learned the hard way and did it the hard way and was one of the first to get it done and win the championships. So he, he, in my vote, he's a, he definitely should be in the hall of fame and, and hopefully everybody, if anybody listening, go out and vote, they're voting right now for the hall of fame. You can go online and, and vote for him. And hopefully, um, uh, he'll, he'll get in there in the next year or two. I do believe.
Well, I know there's uh, one of my friends over at the Madhouse that's absolutely the biggest Sam Ard fan in the world, and that's Chad Freeman, <laughs> who oh, was yeah. uh, on Junior Miller's modified team and many others for many years. And Chad and so many others in the pits over there, huge fans of Sam Ard. You could count me in that group as well. And, of course, Sam had a really bad crash. The next to last race of his championship season down at Rockingham, and he basically uh, had the title already sewn up before he had that bad wreck. And who knows how many more wins and championships Sam would have gotten. Well, guys, that's all the time we got for the night. I want to thank uh, Cam Thomas and congratulate him once again on a pair of second-place finishes recently down at Caraway Speedway. And Ricky Thomas, uh, Ricky uh, with Thomas Brothers Country Ham. And, Ricky, I'm going to give you the last word here in our, our, in our last couple seconds. Yeah, Randy, I just want to thank everybody that's helped us this year. We've had a lot of, you know, different people that's helped us this year, but, you know, we um, just want to thank everyone that's helped us this year. My buddy, uh, mm -hmm. Joe Piet, used to change tires with me. He's come, him and his brother-in-law, Marty Queen, come down from South Carolina this year to help us and spot for Camden, and it's been great. And basic with Dave Dunlap and Corey and Mike and all of them, it's helped, everybody that's helped us this year, I just want to tell them thank you for that. And, uh, Ricky, we appreciate everything that Thomas Brothers Country Ham has done down at Caraway Speedway. They've supported the track. They put up a billboard. They brought a race car, uh, and they were did an awesome job on the night where we honored Sam Ard, and we really appreciate everything that Thomas Brothers Country Ham has done for the sport over the years, and we wish Cam Thomas and that double zero, the Thomas Brothers Country Ham late model, the best of luck the rest of the way and hope uh, Cam will crack that victory lane down at Caraway before the season's over. Well, folks, that's all we got time for this half of the Pit Stop. When we come back after this break, we're going to talk with another talented late model racer in the area, Chase Murphy, when we come back.